Welcome to Curious Psalms, a podcast where we practice reading and praying this wonderful prayer book of God's people. I'm your host, Matt, and today at the top of the episode, I want to give a special shout out to our podcast composer, none other than Aaron Antone. He composed our theme music for book one of this podcast, and you may be noticing some slightly different music in the background and in our opening as we enter book two. He's provided us with a fresh theme and wanted to give credit and a huge thanks to Aaron for his creative work. Well, today, to get us exploring and started in book two, and specifically Psalm 42, I'm happy to bring back the one who sees himself as a co-host of the podcast, Reverend Q Han. So without further ado, let's dive in. Here's Q reading Psalm 42. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? My tears have been my food day and night, while people say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the Mighty One with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me, therefore I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mazar, deep calls to deep, in the roar of your waterfalls, all your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones suffer mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior, and my God. Q, welcome back to Curious Psalms. I think as listeners may or may not know that you are beginning or coming close to the end of your time with us in person here at Granite Springs. That is true. That maybe I'll bestow the title of co-host upon you. That will ease my transition. But I'm still just thinking about it. So no promises. We'll <laughs> I see think if we, we should, can squeeze in another episode. I think we should maybe take a vote from the listeners. <laughs> Let's do a poll. A poll. <laughs> and poll. I'll vote like 15 times <laughs> 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 using different people's computers. Oh, well, this is why we won't do a poll. <laughs> we want to keep things under control. And no, honest. Good, good to have you here, Q. Shall we start with the first question? Let's do, you, do, it. do you want to ask it, Q? Too bad. <laughs> Too bad. I'm going to ask it. I missed it. <laughs> Q, what stood out to you in reading the psalm? The thing that stood out to me the most was the psalm says it, I think, twice here, right? He says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Mm-hmm. Why so disturbed within me? Right. And I thought to myself, I've prayed to God. I've prayed with people and Mm -hmm. for people and about people and about the world and for our world and things that are happening around us. Never have I prayed to my soul. Like I've never, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never like, it's almost like a monologue. 
that the psalmist is having here. He's speaking directly to his soul. And what was fascinating to me is that, I mean, obviously there are different meanings and connotations that this word soul can carry. Sure. But we can, one way we can think about soul is it, it often points us to our intellectual, spiritual, and emotional capacity, right? And right. it is oftentimes where our emotions kind of spring from. And as we know, the psalm, the book of Psalms is really just painted with so many different expressions of emotions. Yeah. And as I hear the psalmist, particularly in this uh, Psalm 42, almost like praying over his soul or to, you know, praying to his own soul, I thought about how I would wake up in the morning some days and, you know, it's a good day and I'm feeling happy and glad. And by noon, let's say I run into a conversation or I run into some kind of event throughout the day and all of a sudden my emotion changes and my feelings and emotions always like fluctuate. You know what I mean? Like it's never consistent. It's never persistent. And in, in some sense, like our emotions are like beyond us. Yeah. Like we can't control our emotions. And so I just like found it really interesting that the psalmist would would address and, and pray to his soul as if to like uplift his own soul. Mm. Like he's talking directly to his soul. Like, why yeah, yeah. my soul? Yeah. Are you downcast? Like, so I just find that super interesting. Like it's both like recognizing like I'm beyond myself and then also like praying over that mm. reality yeah 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 so that stood out the most just a clarifying question when you say praying to my soul you don't mean it in the same sense that we talk about praying to god right right not in the same where sense. we're sort of petitioning god right yeah i was struck by as you were talking about that i didn't realize the whole psalm is a kind of maybe we call it spiritual self-talk yeah or something it is like well. a self-dialogue kind of it's an inner uh, talk. way I, I don't it's not, it doesn't quite go as far as a pep talk, I don't think. Right. <laughs> you know, it's not, I mean, there's some positive pieces, but it's not sort of a, a full pump up, you know, a halftime coaches speech kind of psalm, but it is all directed internally. It's really fascinating. Mm. I thought maybe in there somewhere there would be a turn explicitly to pray to God, but there's really not. I know. And then we don't actually hear anything from God right. either, right? Yeah. I was I was struck by the same verses. I mean, whenever something's repeated, that's always a clue <laughs> that it's important. What was interesting to me was the question itself. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And I thought that was pretty curious because the opening part of the psalm seemed to make it pretty clear why the soul would be downcast. Does this make sense? Like literally. Can you read that? Yeah, the, the psalmist says, again. this is starting in verse two. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Then verse three, my tears have been my food day and night. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? It's an intense image. In other words, like all I'm feeding on are my own tears and everyone says God has abandoned me. Right. That seems like a pretty good reason for the soul to be downcast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so, which is kind of fascinating. Like, I think this doesn't seem to be someone to me who is actually surprised by the state of their soul, mm. which I think sometimes is the way I'd be inclined to read this. Like, oh, I'm down. Like, why are you downcast? Like, what is going on? Like, no, they clearly know what's going on, which suggests to me that there's something else going on here. And the fact that they follow that question with put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him. There is definitely a sense of like, despite, despite these circumstances, the hope we have in God are so much, 
are so much larger. And that's almost like there's a statement being made rather than yeah. just a pure question being brought, mm -hmm. you know? So that, yeah, that same verse kind of stood out to me. And right. I thought it's, it's such an interesting and like subtle kind of a subtle, almost poetic yeah. move that the psalmist is making right. to insert that question when in fact kind of they've already provided the answer. Yeah. So, and then to compare their reality with kind of the hope that God God provides is really fascinating. Right. And with that kind of context, for those of us who maybe have been in those kind of places or, you know, circumstances of life where yeah. tears seemed like the food for us, like right. that's all we had in our life. It's such an intense image. Uh -huh. And it's just kind of striking to imagine the psalmist really kind of squeezing everything that he's got and wiggling everything that he's got to kind of turn his, as you said, hope towards God in mm -hmm. that place. It's, it's a fascinating thing and a hard thing to do. I think very difficult thing to do when you're especially going through sadness or even depression or, you know, loneliness sure. like he is. Yeah. I mean, the confidence to hope in God that that hope is well-placed and yet I will praise him mm. despite the circumstances is a, a pretty incredible kind of posture and position, I think, right. for the psalmist to be able to maintain. Yep. Yeah. Well, speaking of the one in whom we put our hope or the psalmist invites us to put our hope, what do we learn about God from this psalm? Yeah. What struck me is something that I've mentioned earlier. Let's see, verse 8. So as you mentioned already, the psalmist is going through hardships, yeah. right? And uh, it's almost like a self, I mean, it is like a version of self-talk that he is having that is directed towards God. And then verse 8, it says, By day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. And in the, in the sheer loneliness where we do not hear anything from God, Mm. there is still God's presence with the psalmist. Yeah. So I think that's what I learned about who God is. Yeah. Is that there are often times in our lives when we feel like, uh, when we think that God is absent because of silence, mm -hmm. maybe all we hear in our heads and, and in our minds are our self-talk and our inner talk. For some of us, we may have days like the psalmist here and being able to direct our hope toward God in those times. But for others of us, depending on what we are going through in our lives, there are times when we don't have anything or words to pray or any like hope yeah. that is left within us, you know. But even in those times, I think it's just a great reminder that God is still present, that yeah. he's directing us day and night, even in the midst of silence. Mm -hmm. And I think that's, that's also hope and yeah. comfort and the kind of peace that we're invited into as we navigate life. Yeah, as you, as you share that cue, and I think that's, yeah, so helpful, the ongoing presence of God, is this psalm has so many layers, it seems to me, because the psalmist is voicing the question, where is your God? But voices that question as coming from his foes, right? So it's the his enemies and his foes oh, who are yeah, saying, sure. where is your God? And yet, the very fact that he's including that question suggests that there is something about the psalmist's life that suggests that question is appropriate and the psalmist is clearly experiencing some level of suffering right. yet at the same time like there's two layers there <laughs> and then layered on top of that you do have this kind of quiet confidence this certainty that god continues to act yeah, yeah. by day the lord directs his love it's 
it's such a complex yeah. psalm, which does feel when you're talking about kind of yeah self-talk or or praying kind of with or to ourselves in some sense it feels like it acknowledges the complexity yeah i'm right? so glad you mentioned that because it's like not only our inner voices at this point but voices that are coming yeah, from yeah, outside yeah, right, of us right that are so true and real in our lives it's and like yeah and how we see then the, one of the things i think they're wrestling with is the beginning of internalizing that voice right we are like tracking. I don't know if it's because we're co-hosts now, Q, or what the story is. But I firmly believe that. I, I was, think we're just thinking alike. I was also drawn to verse eight, and but also I think you know as we record and have this conversation, we're in this series on John six, bread of life. Which I mean, if there's probably many major themes we could pull out of it, but one of them is surely sort of God's sustaining and God's nourishing through Jesus. And this psalm just felt like it carried that too from the very beginning, talking about sort of our desire for God is not, it's not like a little kid wants a piece of candy. Mm. It's like a deer pants for water, mm. right? Like as something that is so fundamental to what we need, fundamental to our very life. And even verse eight uses language, by day the Lord directs his love, at night his song is with me. That song is a prayer to the God, but the description of God here is the God of my life. Mm. It's mm. this, you know, there's probably, there's probably whole journal articles spilled somewhere about that phrase, God of my life yeah. and what that means. But when it's paired, especially with verse one, I was just, yeah, reminded of the deep dependence that we have on God. I think sometimes it can be, feel kind of trite to say our life is dependent on God. Like that's, it's like, well, Actually, we have an autonomous nervous system that keeps our heart beating, that keeps our breath going. But I think one of the invitations of the Psalms is always to have what I talked with about Aaron, kind of a God-infused imagination, a God-infused way of viewing the world. Mm. I was just reminded of that when we when we actually recognize our life is dependent mm. on something uh, beyond the physical. I think that's, that's yeah. hugely important. Right. And then how does that kind of play with our desire for independence? Like, you know, how do we, how do we kind of face that desire within ourselves and also kind of embrace this real reality that's all over really in the bible but you know, yeah here in psalm 42 too yeah well to give up our independence even conceptually can feel really uh vulnerable yeah. can feel really insecure mm. right even, even if we believe god is good it can still feel kind of exposing and so I think that is one of the great struggles we have, right? Yeah. Is being willing to give over, yeah, our sense of kind of independence and that we are our own. It makes me think of Heidelberg yeah. Catechism, right? That we belong body and soul to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And that that's at the very beginning of this key catechism as a reminder of, yeah, who we are. But I, li anyway. I like you bringing us to that catechism. Confession there you go, right man. There, baby. there you on. go. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i was just yeah. thinking to myself as you were kind of expanding on verse one it's like that is something as dear pants for water like i long for you the psalmist says and i've i was just thinking to myself like that is something that i'd like and at the same time i find myself like resisting it you know what i mean like, oh yeah say more it's like it's a tension because of maybe it's partly having to do with the desire for independence and i know that it's the, the deepest longing, some of my deepest desires will be fulfilled in God and only by God. And that is what I want. But at the same time, as you navigate life and, you know, there are small things and big things that 
that that is more accessible to you or easier yeah. for you to get and and cling on to and hold on to so it's it's a tension that i think that i find in my own life you know it is it is both something that i deeply long for but at the same time that is so hard to get to and oftentimes i think i mean we call that the sovereignty of god right you know as i visited patients in the hospital or mm. you know talk to people who are going through hardships in their lives all of a sudden you feel naked you feel stripped that you right. all of a sudden like find that kind of deeper dependence on god mm. as you walk through those times so yeah this is definitely dip- something that i deeply long for but at the same time that is just so you know hard to get or to yeah. to arrive at yeah well we talked a lot about this psalm and the nature of it as prayer in some ways mm-hmm. and you kind of introduced that to us early on but i want to circle back mm. to our third question and kind of revisit talk about this some more because how would you say that the psalm helps us to pray i think specifically in verse four well it begins by as you've already talked about the psalmist kind of sharing his own context and you know experience of hardship and then verse four he says these things i remember as i pour out my soul how i used to go to the house of god under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng and i think towards the end of this particular psalm i uh, forget which verse but he does this again where he remembers who god is in his life and i think it's an invitation for us all to remember who god is and what he has done in our lives because his turning toward God in his situation, I don't think would have been very easy given, you know, the hardships that he was experiencing. Mm. But the spirit of God is so present with him that he helps the psalmist to turn toward him and to remember him. And I think ultimately, whether it's knowledge or firsthand experience of God, we get to, we come to believe who he is and come to know who he is by these knowledge and, and experiences in the past. So as I just think about my own life too, the act of remembering what God has done in my life and the different markers in which I had noticed him and his presence mm. in my life, I think can be a way of praying. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Remembering is such a common theme in the Psalms, right? Mm. But if we think about, at least if I think about my prayer life, I don't often sit down and just think I should spend some time remembering mm. what God has done. And yet anytime you do, you kind of can't help but be filled with gratitude and a sense of his guiding too, right? Often, you know, the psalm has so many questions in it. It's kind of interesting. The questions are in all kinds of different forms. Some are put into the mouth of the foes, as we've talked about. Where is your God? The psalmist himself says in verse 2, when can I go Mm -hmm. and meet with God? So you have where, you have when, Mm -hmm. then the question that's put to the soul that I'm suggesting is a rhetorical question. Why, my soul, are you so downcast? I was just thinking about how questions can sometimes feel like the domain of the intellect. Like these are things, questions are things for which we find answers. Mm -hmm. And so the questions that we might have about God are best answered by going and reading commentaries or Googling (laughs) the answer or watching YouTube videos or accruing information. And that's how we best pursue kind of answers and that prayer is a different kind of conversation. But I think this Psalm helps remind us that the, that prayer is actually a space for kind of a curiosity about Mm. God and also about ourselves. Mm. Right. So it's, it's interesting. Yeah. The fact that this is kind of 
the psalmist talking to themselves is really interesting when you also think that ultimately it is a prayer. It's written as a prayer. And so it is kind of a bringing before God a reflection upon oneself. Mm-hmm. And you can imagine maybe the ways to pray before and after using this psalm, right? But yeah. I think God welcomes us being curious about ourselves yeah. and about him. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, in fact, asking these questions, where where are you, God? Or even when we don't know maybe why we're struggling, why why are you my soul downcast? But also, God, help me understand yeah. what's going on. So that, that, yeah, that our journey to understanding not in the sense of merely like being able to answer a multiple choice question, but in the sense of relational understanding. There's a journey through questioning in prayer, not just in the sense of God can handle them, but like that they're welcomed. And that can actually be a way of kind of deepening our prayers. I like that. I like that so much. And it is so true. And in every good relationships, I think the same model applies. Yeah. You know, there's Uh that sense of vulnerability and asking, being able to ask and voice difficult and right very honest questions and the fact that god welcomes that from us that's pretty great well thanks for this conversation about psalm 42 well matt thanks for this conversation about psalm 42 (laughs) (laughs) oh i was going to say earlier this is one as listeners maybe listen to you read it yeah they might have recognized refrains from a song that we sing really often on sunday morning which is uh my help my god by sandra mccracken which is explicitly based on this psalm it's Mm -hmm. not just some strange coincidence that she has written this song around this psalm but yeah really beautiful and we'll link i'll link it there in the show notes too if you want to go check that out so thanks for listening listeners thanks for talking q yep thanks for inviting me today as a guest one more time and uh, starting my new role as a (laughs) co-host can't wait can't wait to be back again well let's (laughs) thanks matt for for the conversation today yeah thank you for having me (laughs) (laughs) well friends here with my co-host q we're going to conclude with some of these beautiful verses from psalm 42 as the deer pants for streams of water so my soul pants for you my god My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. Go out and pray the Psalms.